don't run to this recording. It's the Paper Keg Show, our special roundtable episode for the month of October. You're listening to the stylings of one Jonesy Loves Beer, the most laudably hated host of this Paper Keg Radio Syndicate. And with me, as always, is our fearless leader, Slim. Slim, introduce yourself. Say a little bit. Give, give me your elevator pitch of who Slim is right now. Uh, I, I will say, if I can, use this elevator pitch to just say how pleased I am to have the college radio host, Jonesy Loves Beer, back <laughs> on the pipes. <laughs> the, the hosting from Thursday, 3 a.m. to 4 p.m. 3, uh, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Followed by uh, the... Uh, the glorious cellist hour of, uh, of chorus music, you know, your church music at 4 a.m., followed by uh, just your running tombs at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slim, of course, is never far away from our next host. Number one of our hearts, dare I say, your hearts, uh, Dale underscore A. Welcome back to the program. Feels great to be back talking single issues and the in the round table format that we were all used to months ago with uh, my co-host Slim and uh, father of a new baby boy Jonesy. You know that's why I, this episode is a couple weeks late. We wanted to wait for Jonesy to get back in gear, you know, and uh, get some uh, issues under his belt while being so tired he's using these comic book issues to fold them over the baby's poopy legs and, <laughs> and whatnot uh you know sometimes you get it's 4 a.m you try to swaddle the baby with an ipad you know you just right it's, what are you gonna yeah. do you, you, anything to get that baby to sleep or to be swaddling you know neglect whatever gets him there i could listen to dale say the word poopy probably <laughs> for days on end yeah, big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> so the roundtable episode where we talk about the single issues that may or may not have come back or come out the month previous, uh, maybe one issues we just remember in our own minds. Uh, we're gonna read them, review them, and tell you whether you should go out and read them. You know what people ask me, Slim? Yeah, tell they me. ask. They ask me, what is Slim reading? And do you think he reads monthly? To which I posit, why don't you ask him? Maybe we should have a show with that exact format. So Slim, tell us, what what is your first of three books that you're reading? Oh boy, three. Well, I'm not sure if I'm prepared, but thanks for asking, Jonesy. You know, it's a pleasure to be here on uh, Jonesy Radio, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. <laughs> drive time. <laughs> New Jersey UBL. time time, 3.04 a.m. <laughs> Oh, God. You know, I don't know when this posts. I don't know what year it is, but there was a special release today on Comixology.com. Disclaimer, I work for Comixology. Uh, specifically surrounding a character that, you know, I'm, I connected with an emotional level growing up. You reminded me of a certain character by the name of Wolverine. Mm. But in the Star Wars universe, one Boba Fett. Oh, Yeah. Like a rogue, we call him. Absolutely lovable. Uh, Boba Fett, Twin Engines of Destruction was one of my first Star Wars comics that I think I ever bought. And it had one of those Hildebrand Brothers covers, oh, I think. Oh, man. I idolized those guys. 
Idolize. Yeah. They had, a, they had a bunch of like great Wolverine covers. I think they had some tra- some maybe trading cards that came out. Uh, one one of my favorite ones. I think they did Wolverine fifty or sixty or sixty five seventy of Wolverine versus Sabretooth. It was like one of the best things ever. Anywho, the twin engines of destruction. There's a cat running around wearing Mandalorian armor almost identical to Boba Fett's taking mm-hmm. kind of like all his bounties. And what's the one dude, the bounty hunter that wears kind of like the white outfit. He's got scarred face. He's just like a human. Do you remember that guy? I couldn't tell you. I, he is on the bridge of the super star destroyer yeah. during that scene though. Is he not? With also like the green lizard man from V I feel like is on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we grew up on Star Wars and one of us should know the answer to this question. <laughs> Bosk. I think Bosk is the V character. Yeah. Uh, it's not, is that Dengar? Is it IG-88 or is that the robot? No, that's the robot. <laughs> How did you know IG-88 but you don't know this guy's name? he was the one of the antagonists in the Dash Rendar game, Shadows oh, of the Empire. Oh, gosh, Dash Rendar. God rest his soul. I think it was... Yeah. Um, I just said it, and now I lost it again. Bosk. Bosk. I think it was Bosk. So Bosk uh, interrupts kind of a floundering mission that this uh, imposter Boba Fett is on and realizes that he's not really him and sends word to Boba Fett. So uh, he sets an elaborate trap to catch this guy in the act and show him who's boss, and it was great. It's I, think, I feel like it still holds up after you know came out in 1997. And just Boba Fett just is a great looking character on the comic book page. And there was a few other one shots that came out today as well. I always gush about Cam Kennedy. We did, I think, Dark Empire trilogy on here. And yeah. he just, I love how he does the curves of Boba Fett's costume and makes him a little skinny and, you know, just the curvature of his body and, and helmet and armor. It's just gorgeous. I love reading those Boba Fett one shots. He's like a, he's like, I mean, if you're into the Punisher or Wolverine or, I actually f- felt like it reminded me a lot of Heath Houston too, just in the missions. Like, it's like this, it's like very similar parallels to what's going on in those comics. You know, I, I always felt that like he was the Star Wars Batman, you know, Boba mm-hmm. Fett. And I will tell you, I've always loved the character, uh, like in a land of gods, he only has his wits to rely on. And he will always succeed or surpass them because of it. Because you got you got to think of it. You live in a universe where there are licensed telekinetics with swords that can cut through everything, and they're within fifteen feet of you at all any given time. So how does mm-hmm. how do you navigate that universe and get out on top? All right, I got to get you know I have to have technology they don't have. I have to be better trained as a warrior, as a thinker, as a tactician. And those characters, I think, like the Batman complex, always infinitely more interesting uh, to read stories about, excuse me, stories about than the, you know, Jedi gods that we all love so much. Not that I hate Jedi Knights. Please know Star Wars backlash. Mm. I, I don't need you it. You know that's coming. sleepless nights. It's coming your way. But, uh, you know, Han Solo, always my favorite character over Luke Skywalker. Han Solo. I remember Han, too. Han. I remember reading like Star Wars magazines, and I think Wizard maybe pointed out there was one comic I think 
that came out where he was like unmasked and he looks really weird. But I had to, to find the backstory of it because obviously that was retconned with uh, the original trilogy, Ugh. one through three rather. All right, yeah, the uh, the Clone Wars dude, the clone, yeah, yeah, yeah. memories. Mm-hmm. Man, mm. it's cool though that you were able to uh, get yourself back in to that old mm-hmm. stuff and love it just as much, Oof. especially. Because, you know, sometimes you go back and you think, like, you the only thing that's going for is your nostalgia of it, but. Oh, uh, know, sorry, no, it's not Bosk, it's, I think it's Deng, Dengar. Dengar? Yeah. Now Jonesy knows. Is it just Danger, but we just pronounce it Dengar? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dash it, Rendar is. Dash Rendar, I love that guy. Um, you know, my, uh, my brother-in-law got Jack a Star Wars numbers book. Yeah, where like uh, number one is like there's only one Master Yoda, and like I think page six is about the bounty hunters, and he just screams Boa Fett whenever we get to the page. Oh yeah, you raise. He care less about like he. I, I've been trying to get him to like say it's an X-wing, and he just says no, no, Dad, it's R2D2 spaceship. <laughs> it's like no, it's an X-wing fighter, but Boba Fett, he's keyed in directly to. So that just shows you how iconic that character is. Captures the youthful imagination i i googled um that guy and they have stills of the bounty hunters on the ship or whatever thing they were in bosk's arms are the lamest looking costume (laughs) i've ever seen in my life (laughs) it looks like he's wearing gloves that just go from his elbow it adds an extra foot (laughs) to his arms it's terrible poor guy (laughs) poor bosk nobody knows somebody's got some Bosque figure that they love to death. Our next host, uh, he's about to drop some straight knowledge on us. I think I speak for Slim and I both when I say that we've been excited pretty much for the last three hours straight about his next title that he's talking about. Dale, your first book. Our first book. uh, Let me clue you in. Greg Rucka. Old black magic has me in a spell. Old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. Nicola Scott. The same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. Same old tingle that I feel inside. And then that elevator starts its ride. Down and down I go. Round and around I go. Like a leaf. I should stay away, but what can I do? I hear your name and I'm a flame. Flame! Friend of desire! That only your kiss. Put out the fire! Louis Prima, Keely Smith on uh, letters and colors in this book. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, uh, Greg Rucka, Nicola Scott in uh, Black Magic. And it was amazing. Jonesy, you're going to want to pay attention to this. I mean, it's Rucka. Exactly. I mean, you had me at Rucka. You could have just said Rucka wrote uh, seven adverbs on a cocktail napkin, 
and I would want to know where to get the variants. <laughs> so uh, Black Magic is about uh, Rowan Black, who is good police, as they would say. Uh, she is a police detective, but she is also a witch. And the book, it just has this vibe and this art that... Um, so in the book, partial spoilers, I could go full on spoilers. We'll see where my conversation takes me. Um, she's like in the middle of this, uh, Wiccan, um, activity out in the middle of the woods and she gets like a phone call and the, the, whoever's like running this circle is like, who the F forgot to turn their phone off and she's like i gotta take this i'm sorry because they all know she's a cop so there's uh there's trouble at the local one of the local fast food joints and she is summoned because this guy is holding four people hostage because he wants to speak with only her he was the only she's the only one that he'll speak with so you know he she gets wired up she goes into the restaurant she gets him to release the hostages but then He's like, I know what you are. And she's trying to play it off the entire time. She's like, I don't know what, you know, what are you talking about? And he, he's like, I know who you are. And it turns out she's like standing in a puddle of kerosene. And he like pulls out a Zippo. And he's like, I know the only way that you can actually die. And she like, she starts to panic a little bit. And she's like, I really don't know what you're talking about. And it's like right before he's like, get ready to set her on fire she like whispers some incantation that basically says as soon as you light a fire you're gonna die and that's exactly what it does he throws wow. he throws the zippo at her feet he catches on fire burns alive and like her secret is safe for now but the the combination of that like the the uh the way it's described by the editor is like we all have lives we're we're podcast hosts and people like have their opinions of us i'm like an it guy people might have their opinions of me that i work with but if they found out that i did like there was something outside of work that i did or i practiced like how would that change their opinions of me and it just so happens that she's a witch and she can practice real magic and the art is like this cool paint style that's mostly in black and white. But whenever there's anything like supernatural involved, like that's the only thing that gets color in the panels. It's really beautiful. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. It's a really cool like style. It's The colors are really cool in the book. But just came out this week or last. Yeah. It's really, really impressed. I was I'm super excited to keep reading this book. Can I say something that is to like totally to Rucka's credit? The premise of girl detective is also witch, like makes me so disinterested. But the fact that it's Greg yes, Rucka exactly writing it, like gets me excited for the premise. Isn't that weird? Like if it was, you know, Bozo Jones on story, uh, you know, female witch cop, I would have been like pass. But it's Rucka, so I'm sure there's like some super depth to it that makes the story totally relatable. And beautiful, and I want to read it almost immediately. Yeah, admittedly, that's the reason why I picked it up too, because it's Greg Rucka writing a, a police story, first and foremost. The fact mm. that she's a, a witch, you know, 
let's see how Greg Rucka handles that. But I was just like, I was like, I'm, I'm ready f- again for Greg Rucka and police. Sure. So like that totally sold me on it. And maybe they'll make a series of it someday where they'll only take the basic premise and ruin the whole concept <laughs> for you by adding villains and nothing about the actual police. <laughs> right. Stay tuned. Uh, tuned. You know, hashtag Gotham sucks. Uh, our next host, uh, my least favorite host, uh, everyone's least favorite host, uh, myself. Uh, you know, I read a book that I was surely should have been excited for uh, my first foray into James Bond comic books written by, I mean, the guy needs no real introduction, Warren Ellis, as he writes James Bond uh, 007. Uh, the plot, pretty straightforward. Uh, Bond is on a revenge mission to uh, to get the killer of 008. Uh, he succeeds, and M pretty much says, you know, your caseload is light, so you have to work on everything. Close all the cases that Double Eight has left open. So there's your premise for a single issue or, or uh, a comic book medium story is these side missions that he's going to have to go on uh, to clear Double Eight's caseload where they, while they look for a new Double Eight. So drink every time I say Double Eight, and you are dead. Uh, so 007 then is sent down to Q. You know, he's going to get, uh, some gadgets, uh, before he jets off to Berlin and, uh, turns out that he can no longer carry his trademark Walther. What? Yeah. The British government has, uh, instilled something called the hard rule, which I think is an actual thing where, uh, the, any British government citizen or British government law enforcement officer has no mandate to carry a firearm on British soil. So, and forever the double O section has had an exemption because they their mandate is both at home and abroad. So, but in this book they said, all right, you can no longer carry your trademark Walther. You're going to have to get a firearm on your away missions. You have to procure a firearm once you, once you go. And, uh, then we're treated to the the big henchman reveal of who's going to go after Bond. And then that's the cliffhanger that this man is going to go assassinate Bond as he tries to infiltrate a uh, syndicate in Berlin. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> it's, I, it's Warren Ellis, listen, Jonesy. It's the, James Bond. This, Jonesy, this the, is Warren Ellis, script, living legend. Listen, the script to this comic book was written on the back of the novelty-sized check that Dynamite paid to <laughs> Warren Ellis to write this comic book. Oh, my gosh, John. Uh, you know, there th- maybe the, the most heartbreaking part is this was an opportunity to get new young readers not only into comic books, but maybe the Bond franchise and it was handled like you needed to see every Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan uh, movie to even get what was going on. Wow. 
Uh, this is Warren Ellis. Are you yeah, sure? You, you, can, you can repeat his name as many times as you feel you need to. Uh, and, and I don't even know if it's because the source material is close to my heart. Now, I've gone back and I've since read the Ian Fleming novels, which are exceptional. You know, I've seen you know, most, I think most of the film. I think I've seen every film. And I thought I was really going to get something different. It's Warren Ellis. He doesn't write cookie cutter stories. But this was exactly what this was. And I, and I don't know, listen, I don't know if it's because Warren Ellis was under a tremendous amount of pressure from, you know, because the, the studio and the, the Fleming, I guess the Fleming Foundation, I don't know what it's even called, must have a lot of creative control over how Bond is portrayed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about, I don't know what influence it has on this book, but Warren Ellis, like, doesn't it feel like it was written by Warren Ellis? Wow. It feels like they bought the rights to Warren Ellis's name to slap on this book because it just didn't have that Warren Ellis take what you know and then head 90 degrees from it and start there. Like, it didn't feel that way at all. It, it was just felt like action beat, you know, story beat, action beat, story beat, cliffhanger. Mm. Wow. Jonesy. You're, you're I mean, your first. This is did, huge. Did either of you read it and feel the same way or slim? Yeah, I did read it actually. And your thoughts were uh you know you know, James Bond, you know, maybe he's just not for me in comic books. Right. You know, I, I you know, I love his movies. Casino Royale, its opening scene are next is it's next next level. Mm. That opening scene, remember it? Man, I agree. That guy. Just totally spun that, like some like Aikido, learning from the master Jonesy. You redirected yeah. that energy back out into the world. You're, you're you're not happy unless Dame Judi Dench is uh, dressing Bond down, making him feel like a turd for being a human and a double O <laughs> agent. Listen, we all know Quantum of Solace wasn't very good. We know Skyfall didn't make any GD sense. It's junk, but I don't know what's what's. This? You haven't seen the new movie yet, Gen Z? Uh No, I unfortunately I had a newborn during opening week, like an idiot. I mean, you made time to watch Master of None. <laughs> it's true. An hour, four a, four a.m. viewing party. Yeah, me and Owen I Henry listen to the most recent Paper Gag episode. Just putting screws to it. Don't redirect right now. Listen, All right, I gave you dislike the first the issue. I gave my my opinion. Two words. It's time. Warren Ellis. That's all you got to know. <laughs> Dale, we, any thoughts for you not reading this issue? I have uh, zero thoughts. I apologize. We need to move. We need to. We are severely running out of tape. I am shirking my hosting responsibilities. It's almost you know, our twenty-minute uh, window is at the roof. At the window. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying right now. Uh, our next host, your second book, Slim. What do you have for us? Jeff Lemire, Umberto oh my Ramos. Are you just saying great names right now? Is this even a book? And uh, a, a superhero team by the name of X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> this is all new, all different Marvel. You know, Secret Wars is over. It's time to start the new issues. You know, over being, you know, loose, loose term. Lucy. Very loosey-goosey, Hickmania, running wild. Extraordinary X-Men, 2015-1. dash number 
This is the first new X-Men book coming out of Secret Wars. New status quo. Storm's running the show. The school, I think they call it X-Haven. Oh, boy. She's like, you know, we got to recruit the X-Men again. They need us. The world needs us. <laughs> so she starts going to find Nightcrawler. She's trying to find young Jean Grey, who says, piss off. Can I say piss off on this podcast, Gen Z? Yeah. I mean, as the de facto host of only the roundtable segment, if, I grant you that right. If you, say in, responsibility. if you say in an English accent only. I don't think I can do it. After I read James Bond, I lost all power <laughs> to be able to do an English accent. Question, are the young X-Men still around like four years later? They never went back to the 60s? Well, this... this uh, it's kind of hard to explain because X-Men 600 was supposed to be the end of that storyline, and that just came out last week. Secret Wars hasn't ended yet, and then this new series has started, so it's a little topsy-turvy. It's murky. murky. That's a great way to put it. Clouded. Yeah, very clouded. And Storm's trying to recruit the team. Iliana. Iliana. Remember when Colossus said that <laughs> in the anime series? Iliana. He's uh, being recruited uh, Colossus is being recruited by Eliana, and uh, one familiar face makes his first appearance back, question mark? Logan, Weapon X? Yeah, he's on the cover, so I can't really yeah. tease but, it. But is old, right? Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan oh. is in mm. the present day Marvel Universe. Uh, I kind of I wish that they didn't blow their reunion wad in the miniseries, the Old Man Logan miniseries for Secret Wars, where he kind of like is reunited with members of the X-Men because I wanted it to be like, you know, his reunion shouldn't be in some kind of weird, bizarro land. Right, yeah. X-Men. Should be present day yeah. X-Men. Be- so I'm yeah. interested to see what happens. Did you by chance, good- side note, did you read the uh, all-new Wolverine? I did not. I saw, I saw that it came out. Uh, I'm not mentally ready yet. Yeah. I don't know if he's like in that. I don't know if he's like a, you know, uh, you know, wise elder right. or something. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I want to check it out. I, I'm the the suit is really growing on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, extraordinary X Men Lemire, good start. I'm excited for this new X Men world. Although I think the other X Men book, Mark Bagley, is drawing it. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Extraordinary X Men Jeff Lemire. X-Men title as I live and breathe. Mm-hmm. Dale, your final gem of a title for this episode. What do you have? I read something that I would have never read were it not for Patrick Titus, and that is uh, an issue of a comic book called Johnny Red out, uh, out from Titan Press, Garth Ennis. And Johnny Red is a is a, is is a war story. Firstly, so boner, God, so hooked to yeah. you. Garth you know, Ennis loves writing them, and it turns out uh, this is the first one I never read. The uh, one that Jonesy told me to read, so this is my first go at it. But um, Johnny Red is the story of uh, it's it's a present day that flashbacks to the Second World War at the same time. Hmm. And it's very factual, which I love. And it's about a uh, like this guy who got rich off of the dot com boom, and he ended up buying this plane 
uh, it was a uh, the, a Hawk Hurricane is the plane, and the uh, which is a very real plane used by the Royal Air Force uh, before the Spitfires kind of took over and became popular. So um, this this buried plane was found in East Germany, and this guy hired some some people like in Texas to kind of refurb it for him. So along with the job of refurbishing. The uh, the guy at the head of this garage kind of like he starts to give him the backstory of the plane and how it came to uh, be found and stuff, and he's like, I, you know, I got some contacts over in East. So it's it's in East Germany. The Hawk Hurricane was uh, when the Spitfire started becoming more popular in England. They shipped a bunch off to Russia because Russia was in need, badly need of reinforcements when. Germany was pushing into uh, Stalingrad and, and Russia proper. So uh, it turns out it was a Russian pilot who was flying this plane. So this dot-com guy, I forget what his name is, he ends up in Russia to talk to like the, the head mechanic that was on the flight team of this actual plane because this guy wants to know all about it. And he gets and he starts flashing back to this the beginnings of this amazing story that's like rooted in a lot of truth and the, like the, the facts about the war is true the facts about the planes are true and then when i flip the page it turns out this johnny red character was a comic strip in a british um comic magazine in like the 70s and this is like a reboot which i never knew so it's so cool Man. that Garth Ennis like pulls these facts about the, and I don't know if that was actually part of the like the Johnny Red experience in the seventies, but he like intertwined it with this character Johnny Red, and he's going to like be Johnny Red and the uh, you know his Falcons, the Fighting Falcons or something that are like a flight team over Stalingrad, and it's it's it was it blew my socks off, and Patrick Titus put it in my bin from the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. And he's like, Dale needs to read this. So it was a little post-it. So I bought it. It was amazing. Patrick Titus knows your soul. He does. In a way that not many can compare. Because I'm not... Like, not even your wife, I think. I'm not entirely sure that I would have ever given it a chance uh, for for no good reason at all. But I'm glad I did. It was great. Imagine if uh, Garth Ennis wrote a monthly comic book about Vietnam. Oh, my gosh, man. Dale, title that book for us right now. You're the you're the expert. What would you call it? Garth Ennis' monthly Vietnam book called what? Oh, man, that's, I don't... <laughs> it would be like something, like, deep meaning, you know? Um, Maybe Garth just Ennis call it deep meaning. Deep meaning. <laughs> deep meaning, yeah. <laughs> Uh, cancel right. answer two issues. <laughs> uh, my final issue, one I've talked about before. Before we went dark on the round table, uh, the the story of Philadelphia and Philadelphia's story of uh, vigilantism, the Black Hood, uh, issue six. Uh, if you've been following it all, Black Hood has been outed. You know they know about his drug problem, and they you know because he's a hero cop, they can't exactly prosecute him for all the city to see. So they send him out to this rehab. And while there, 
uh, unbeknownst to the, the police force, he's uh, smuggled his Black Hood mask with him. And uh, because he is who he is and he's adopted this persona, proceeds to like investigate this drug ring inside um, inside this like, uh, what do you call it? Like, when you talk, you talk to each other, like a psychotherapy group session. So it's like this rehab session. And, and the most interesting part about the story is he's writing a letter to his rehab slash love interest back in Philly. And it starts out super depressing. But every time the action changes to him getting closer to being the black hood again <laughs> and kind of like doing his vigilante justice, like the note to his, uh, psychiatrist keeps getting better like i feel better every day i feel stronger like uh, i feel so much like i'm over this i'm ready to come home and the final issue uh has a great twist where he gets approached by a young lady and basically says you know there's somebody in this group meant to kill me because i have this information I, you know i'm from a cartel i was a drug mule and I'm pretty sure you're police outside. I need someone to protect me. So he dons the the Black Hood mask to kind of protect his identity because he's already there instead of going to jail. And the twist is she really manipulated him to kill the person that really was the drug mule. She was sent there to kill him mm-hmm. and kind of got one over on him. So now he's, he's on the beach uh, covered in this guy's blood. She goes screaming. She's like, you're covered in the guy's DNA. I have your mask. I'm about to go get security. And the last line of the book is, I feel amazing. I think I'm ready to come home. <laughs> so the, like the Black Hood psychology is such a big part of this book. And from issue one to six, to see this guy's mind kind of deteriorate as he realizes there are no rules and he can basically do whatever he wants without consequence, like, you're left with kind of like, all right, so what's he going to do now? Like, I, like he got away with the most incredible crimes for the first five issues as this kind of anti-hero. There's no way he gets out of it. But he's a black hood, so he is going to get out of it. And that's what I really love about this book. I mean, it started out as Philadelphia as a character that really drew me in because we're from, you know, the greater Philadelphia areas, Lynn would say. <laughs> and, uh, you know... That grabbed me. That was my my drug, my gateway drug. And now I find the psychology of the character so amazing. I keep coming back to it. It's my only book that I have on subscription from the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware's digital arm. What was the one book that you loved that you said was the best book out monthly and it was blowing you away? Do you remember that one? It was like, oh, the Ray Bradbury, uh, the Ray Bradbury series whatever happened and it, and it was amazing i don't read it monthly anymore because i stopped reading <laughs> monthly books but uh what was what was it called now i can't remember but it, every something show it wasn't sideshow the rate bradbury show. it was sideshow but it was each issue was um uh, an homage to a ray bradbury story in a comic book single one-off issues not connected each like a twilight zone uh episode amazing book mm-hmm. Uh, so, are we going to do a lighting round real quick? I think people will be pissed if we don't do a lighting round. I think uh, I think we're almost obligated at this point to bring <laughs> back every America's favorite segment, the lightning round. Uh, the lightning round, where we review a book in two sentences or less 
uh, your book, Slim? The Goddamned Number One. Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra have done it again. Not what you were expecting, question mark? We are Robin number one. A a group of teen vigilantes band together under the team name We Are Robin. I kind of wanted a little more out of the first issue, but I'm going to give it a few more chances. I like the concept. The Batman Adventures, based on the classic TV show, issue one. Uh, go get in your time machine and relive the best parts of your childhood as we revisit the world of Batman the Animated Series. Amazing first issue starring the Penguin. Jonesy just Googled Batman and that was the first result. And you just recited what happened in the, in the uh, solicit. Not true. Not true. So there you have it, folks. Our second roundtable episode. Uh, we're happy to do it. Happy to delve back into our monthly habit. Uh, we appreciate, of course, uh, your thoughts, your feedback. Check us out on patreon.com slash paperkeg. Support us if you wish, only if you wish. Uh, you know, at the 500 mark, uh, Dale will actually uh, excrement all over himself uh, for your pleasure. Uh, so please get that rolling. Uh, and I think you all, Slim, any parting words for the group? You know, it was just a delight recording for four hours tonight. You know, I'm ready to turn in, uh, and it's it's just been it's been great. Dynamite, you know, dynamite recording sesh tonight. You know, we'll do it again at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. Dale, anything for the good of the lodge? Uh, we're on the same team here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks, uh, just uh, go to YouTube and and search the backing video. So you can see how dangerous it is to back into any kind of traffic or parking lots. And uh, stay safe, America. <laughs> <laughs>